The following is one of my experiences from attempting to induce myself on Suboxone. Before anyone says the obvious, buprenorphine is in no way psychedelic, and when used properly, has been extremely beneficial in my life. But anyone who has taken some too soon after using opiates knows the pure agony and hell that your body and mind will go through. This combined with dehydration and malnourishment is only comparable to a very, very bad trip. A little bit of background. I've been a regular drug user from a pretty young age, 12, and was dependent on opiates on and off from the age of 18 to 29. This experience was in 2019, while I was living in a rented room in North Philly. I've recently relapsed following the death of my father and was on the run from parole, so I had some issues, to say the least. I was spending roughly $80 a day on heroin, which was most likely just fentanyl and research chemicals. And as you could expect, my life was spiraling out of control. The extreme anxiety and depression that comes with being dependent on such strong opiates is incredible. Like I said, I have been using opiates of all kinds for years before this. I've been in withdrawal what seems like a million times, but the dope I was getting at the time was on a whole different level. I would wake up mid-anxiety attack literally every morning, which wouldn't subside until I used or walked to Kensington to get more. I looked like a skeleton and knew going back to jail was inevitable if I didn't quit. But the withdrawal was so extreme every time that I can never go more than a couple hours without giving up. My solution was something I was very familiar with. Wait long enough until the opiate was out of my system and take a sub. If only it was that easy. I did the last of my dope at around 3am and planned on passing out for a couple hours, lay in bed all day then take a piece of sub at roughly 9pm that night. I woke up around 1pm and binge trailer park boys to pass the time. At around 7pm, I was reaching the point in withdrawal that usually causes me to give up. I had all the telltale signs, and although it's tough to accurately assess yourself in that state, I scored myself as a 4 on the Clinical Opiate Withdrawal Scale, or COWS. Thank God. It's time. 17 hours has to be enough. Man, was I wrong. I opened an 8mg Suboxone strip and cut off approximately a 2mg square. I have always hated the taste and obviously preferred the bioavailability of intranasal use, so I placed the square on a spoon with a bit of water and let it dissolve. As I tilted my head back and sniffed, I was eagerly awaiting feeling better. I remember saying to myself, in a little bit of time, you'll be feeling just fine. About five minutes later, I felt the first sign of the hell to come. A cold, metal-like shiver slowly made its way up my spine. This can't be good. I sat up and began to panic. What did I just do to myself? Goosebumps covered my entire body and I instantly felt extreme nausea and diarrhea. Before I could even get off my bed, a putrid, disgusting yellow stomach bile literally exploded from my lips. 
I ran to my bathroom, but couldn't even make it the 20 feet to the toilet before it came out the other end as well. I remember sitting on the toilet, literally screaming at the top of my lungs in agony, while the yellow bile burst out in between breaths. My mouth kept filling up with saliva every five seconds, like I just took a drink. I kept swallowing, but that just caused me to throw up more. I also had an extremely bad metallic taste in my mouth that was somehow nostalgic. My skin felt like somebody stripped me of all my clothes, threw me on an iceberg in Antarctica, and the only thing I had to keep me warm was lava. I shuffled back to bed and convinced myself this will only last 45 minutes after a quick Google search on PW. I wish. For some reason, the symptoms lessened a bit and I attempted to smoke a cigarette. I'm not sure if this is actually what caused it, but while smoking, I unconsciously sniffed and tasted a drip of sub go down the back of my throat. Oh shit. Just like that, all the symptoms returned just as extreme as before. I did not know what to do. I remember laying in a child's pose and periodically screaming into my pillow just wishing it would end. I would lay there for 36 more hours. I started becoming delirious sometime that night. I had multiple voices in my head and I became convinced there was little people living in my body, controlling and causing these symptoms. And not just any people, it was the trailer park boys. I saw Ricky and Bubbles with buckets attempting to bail out my saliva like they were bailing out a boat. Meanwhile, Randy and Mr. Leahy were sabotaging them in the process. The next day came and went as I laid there, dying. I could hear people outside and I so desperately wanted to ask them for help, but I didn't even have the energy to plug my phone in the charger, let alone get anyone's attention. I didn't sleep, but I remember literally fantasizing of a red Gatorade, and at times, truly thought someone brought me one, only to realize that nobody did. By this point, I was contemplating how I was going to tell my girlfriend and family I was crazy. The next morning, I knew I had to do something, or I was going to die here. Of course my plan was, instead of going to the emergency room, I would just go get more dope to hopefully end this nightmare. It took me hours to summon the energy to get out of bed and get dressed. From where I lived, it would usually take me about 20 minutes to walk to the EL at York Dauphin. This day, it took me close to an hour and a half. Every smell on the way was unbelievably putrid and sounds literally hurt. The squeaking of the train on the rails felt like someone was stabbing me in both temples. I finally got off at K&A and made my way to Reach Street. The trap they were using at the time was about halfway up the block and I could see people going in and out as I slowly shuffled forward. Okay, almost there. As I walked in the completely dark room, Lighters flickered in corners as the smell of crack and piss filled my lungs and caused me to puke more yellow bile all over the steps leading back out to the street. With blurry vision, 
I lifted my head to see a police van speeding down the wrong way down the one-way street. I instinctively started walking away as nonchalant as possible, but as I heard the sliding of the van door as the tires screeched to a stop, I knew I was fucked. I wanted to run, but I just didn't have the energy. I heard the cop's voice say, Good morning, as he walked in front of me, snapping on blue gloves. It's pretty common for cops to shut down a block like that down there, and usually, they let the users go, unless of course you have a warrant. I was one of the roughly 12 people sitting on the curb while they ran our names. As I look back, I know I subconsciously wanted to get caught, but of course at the time, I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. Although I wasn't positive, I knew my parole officer had most likely issued a warrant for me a couple weeks prior. Lo and behold, he did. I remember the cuffs feeling like razors and my hair feeling like icicles as the cop pulled down my hood and put me in the back of the van. The door slamming shut sent a sharp shock throughout my whole body. The only thing I remember about the rest of the ride was the cops laughing. I didn't know Justin Bieber did dope. Thankfully, the cop that arrested me asked if I thought I needed medical attention and they took me to Temple University Hospital. The male nurse that was tending to me was getting pissed I wouldn't undress and put on the smock they gave me, but I just couldn't. The floral design of the curtain around my bed was twisting and morphing and the beeping of the machine sounded like nails on a chalkboard. I was puking off the side of the bed as the nurse tried to hook up the IV. I remember him saying, you gotta stay still or you're gonna get hurt, to which I replied, you're the one that's gonna get hurt. He obviously wasn't happy with that response and said, alright man, threw up his hands and left. At this point, I saw my mom standing on the side of my bed, she was 80 miles away, telling me to calm down. And what would I do if someone treated her like that? She's an RN. The doctor finally came over. I remember his hand touching my leg, feeling like it was covered in hot spikes. I'm not sure if he was aware of the differences between regular withdrawal and my withdrawal, and I felt like they thought I was overreacting. He talked to me about my use and implied that the only thing that would make me feel better is an opiate and he was not going to give me any. He ordered me the usual withdrawal meds, clonidine and Imodium IV fluids, and left. I laid there completely defeated. I could not believe all of this just happened. If there was ever a sign to stop, this is it. I prayed silently and swore I wouldn't touch any opiates if God could just make this pass. Then, the doctor came back. How you doing, buddy? I just looked at him and shook my head. You know, at the other hospital I work at, they have methadone to help with this. Let me go see if we have it here. My addict, manipulating brain, saw a golden opportunity from this statement. I'll get him to give me something. The doctor came back a couple minutes later and said unfortunately, we don't have methadone. At this point, I haven't given them a urine sample and refused to speak to the crisis counselor. I started telling him how much I wanted to stop 
and how hard it's been, how I'm a good person, and this isn't me. And then I went for it. Doc, I'll go to rehab. I'll give you a urine. Talk to the counselor. Whatever. Please don't make me go there feeling like this. He responded with a couple of other questions about my use and listened to my heart. I knew I almost had him and used my ace in the hole. Doc, I don't even know if I have any opiates in my system anymore. They won't even give me a detox bed without a dirty urine. He kind of stopped what he was doing and looked at me as to say touche. Okay, I'll see what I can do. The male nurse from before came over a couple minutes later and gave me two milligrams of morphine. This did absolutely nothing as far as physical symptoms, but made it so I could at least try to sleep. I didn't, but used the next two hours or so thinking of the right way to ask for a bigger dose. Eventually, the doctor came back and asked how I was feeling. Doc, I just got done telling you I've been taking Vicodin since I was 12. And you give me two milligrams? We're dealing with an opiate blocker here. You gotta at least give me 10. I knew he wasn't gonna give me 10 milligrams, but I figured I'd start off high. He started saying why he couldn't, my body weight, etc. But eventually, we settled on eight milligrams. I was ecstatic, dying, but ecstatic. The male nurse came back, and just as he plunged it in my IV, I instantly sat up and felt the only good feeling I've had in what seemed like forever. The nurse noticed this and said, Hey, you're not supposed to like this anymore, jokingly. His words faded just as Peter Frampton's solo in Do You Feel Like I Do came over the hospital PA. All of my symptoms disappeared instantly and I laid back in relief, listening to Frampton rip. Three minutes later, that good feeling disappeared and I was back to hell. But that little bit of relief allowed me to somehow fall asleep on and off for a couple of hours. So I was extremely grateful. I ended up going to rehab the next day, but wasn't right mentally for a couple of weeks. I have never felt something so extreme in my life. I remember thinking it would be a great interrogation tool because nobody would be able to endure this feeling for very long. They actually dosed me the first day. Anyone who's been to rehab knows that doesn't happen. I basically slept the entire detox stay and can remember waking up one night and instantly saying to myself, thank God. Going to rehab also saved me from my legal issues from running. But till this day, I feel like getting caught saved my life. I wasn't going to stop unless I was forced to. There's a reason why Kensington is the biggest open-air drug market. The accessibility and quality is unmatched. And for an addict, the temptation is hard to resist when you know you can always get it. If you are listening to this and are currently using, please please get help. You may think you can kick on your own, but in my 12 plus years of using, I've never seen it work. Life will get better if you stop, I promise. And if you need someone to talk to, please DM me. I'm going to end this with a rehab quote that has always stuck with me. 
Why give up everything for something small when you can give up something small and gain everything? I'm in the Navy straightening out my life, but I've been doing drugs since I was 17 and no experience stands out like the one I had at Woodstock 99. Now, I was to drive to upstate New York from out in Queens, which ended up being a good six hour ordeal. I traveled up to the festival with two of my friends and my ex-girlfriend who I had broken up with two days prior. Now we had a fight on the way up and I ended up leaving her to fend for herself and went on my way among thousands of people who had already gotten to the pre-festival on that fateful Thursday night in late July. Me and my two friends, not having any camping gear, decided to make our first night a memorable one. I had never done acid in my life and had no intention of doing anything of that sort that night. As we walked around, we found a guy selling shrooms and bought an eighth. We split it between the two of us by smoking it, no effect on us. After we viewed George Clinton's birthday performance on the center stage, we happened to stumble into a guy traveling around the festival grounds with a suitcase full of all kinds of illicit drugs. After debating for a few minutes, me and my two friends, only one of which who had done acid and was experienced with it, decided to take the plunge and do it. The guy, no joke, said he gave me about five drops. He gave my friends the same amount and it dripped down my arm it was so much. It tasted minty and after we took it, we just hung around talking to people, chilling out for the night. Now I didn't think this stuff would do anything and kept bugging my friends as to how stupid it was and blah blah blah. Finally, we hung out with these two people who smoked us up and after about 5 minutes of smoking, my mind did a complete backflip and all of a sudden, I wasn't normal anymore. All I can say was I became uncontrollably insane for the next 15 hours. I do not remember the whole night because I was in and out of sanity, but I do remember some crazy shit I was doing. Now remember my ex who I left? Well, me and my two friends, also tripping their nuts off, were walking around in circles at one point, laughing, and I remember saying, where's Jen, my girlfriend, over and over again, and getting no response. I do not know what precipitated me to say it over and over again. This ranting and raving went on for a good hour until my experienced LSD friend told me to shut up. Blacking out, I also remember a point at which I was rolling around in the grass, taking off my belt and shirt and swimming towards a fence at the edge of the grassy area I was in, clinging to the fence and begging to be saved. My friends were watching me bug the fuck out and I felt like a mere puppet watching myself squirm and wiggle my contorted body into paranoia and insanity. I also remember that I could barely keep my eyes open because I was so scared of my thoughts and myself. I felt as if the world was being flushed into my conscious through my eyes, literally. Like all the colors and sounds and people talking to me went into my eyes instead of my ears. 
constant babbling of nonsense and noise. Only my crazy thoughts made sense. At one point, I told my friends to leave me to die, for I was insane. I gave my friend my car keys, and he poured ice on my head, causing me to think I was an ice machine for a second. Crazy. At the end, all three of us woke up like in those cartoons where they get hit over the head and wake up looking into the sky, which is moving around all blurry and slowly getting clearer as they recover their bearings. All three of us awoke from this crazy night, laying in the middle of a field near some of the stages and went off to see James Brown perform. Later, my friends would go on to tell me I was going up to people, babbling insane shit to them, and they had to pull me off and calm me down. This story happened in my senior year of high school. Prior to this experience, I had done mushrooms three times. Two of those experiences were pretty good. One was kind of bad. However, those could be for another day. This trip, in which I 100% believed I was going to get murdered and die, is very long. It was utterly tragic, but years later, I can see the humor in it. So brace yourself for the story of the man I will call M that I met at the barter fair. This story takes place at somewhere called the barter fair. For those unaware of what that is, it's basically a big hippie festival where you trade things for drugs, to put it loosely. It's a three-day weekend experience. There's live music, fire dancing, and it's really fun. I still highly recommend going to one of these if you can. We'll skip over my backstory and we will start in the gates outside of the barter fair. I will be introducing characters as we go through the story as they become more important. But for now, the picture is a group of teenagers, six in total, that are on the side of the highway prepping their vehicles for three of the teenagers to be snuck into the fair. A truck pulls up with a six-year-old hippie named M wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt with his service dog Snoopy. He hops out of the vehicle and asks us the whereabouts of the hippie fair. He pulls out a thing of fireball accompanied with a bowl of freshly loaded weed, later revealed to be grown by himself. This character display was the introduction to the weirdness ahead that Barter Fair is known for. Our group had no time for questions. Who is this guy? Where does he come from? What does he want with a group of teenagers? Hindsight is 2020, and later, Marty would reveal that he goes to Barter Fair every year. How come then would he need to ask a group of teenagers the whereabouts of said fair? Nevertheless, our vehicle and a barter fair were prepped and primed and ready to go. Thoughts of this being the only encounter with M would be shortly questioned. The transfer into the fair was a success, and as the group started to set up camp, M rolled up asking if he could camp with us. No group vote was needed, as M pulled in anyways, ready to hitch up. The group shrugged it off and didn't think much of it, Fast forward to a few hours later, two of my friends were giggling after they had dropped acid and I felt left out. Shortly before this point, a man with a big top hat had waltzed into our camp and was selling eighths of shrooms. I took one look at these bad boys and saw that the bag had Dr. Strange on them. Who could I trust more to give me Strange than the doctor himself? 
Back to my two friends giggling as they were on the come up. I was half an eighth down eating a bag of barbecue potato chips, not feeling strange. My very wise friend named A suggested I eat the whole thing, you pussy. So as you do, I promptly ate the whole thing. 10 minutes later, we wanted to walk around and explore the fair and I wasn't feeling strange. This fair is on an Indian reservation, so no federal laws apply, meaning that I found myself at a $1, one dab booth, paying extra for a globber. As soon as I lifted my head up from the dab rig, it all hit me like a fucking train. I was thrown into fast motion, as if you were passing an unfortunate sex scene in a movie you chose to watch with your parents. I truly was moving in fast motion, crushing A's hand, sprinting back to camp, I was in a state of panic, as if I had become an infant taken away from my mommy. To me, the simulation had truly broken. Being in a computer is putting it lightly. Reality was shifting diagonally with me in the center. I had thrown the universe off course, as if it wasn't expecting me to get this loaded. It didn't know how to respond. It glitched out and shattered in front of me, throwing once a man into the fragment of space was all I could do at this point. This was the strange I was prescribed. I knew everything, all the universe's secrets. I knew that when we died, it was going to be fucking awesome and there was nothing to worry about. Ecstasy and euphoria were the only feelings I had at this point. Screaming in people's faces, telling them that they were going to die and it's going to be fucking awesome. We had finally made it back to the camp, and I was truly tripping. As an artist, I instinctively grabbed my sketchbook and went to town. Patterns were flowing out of me. The lead of my pencil would become dull, signifying its death. I would stare at it and feel death pulling me in. I would put it down, then grab the same pencil, perfectly sharpened, and get back to it. All of this while hearing from within me the simple fact of, Life is a cycle, over and over and over again. We all die to be born again. Me, my sketchbook, and the campfire transported into a desert to represent the sands of time. I'm not sure, but at this point, was peak strange. This moment of grandeur would be short-lived, however, as our antagonist M came into frame. Anyone who's done shrooms knows you can feel people, sense what they're thinking of, and instinctively know their intentions. M at this point had sat right next to me, and I felt darkness. I felt that M wanted to rape me, to torture me, to throw me in his truck, and head back to his farm, never to be seen again. Dramatic, yes. Exaggerating, no. This fucked me up. Later accounts of the night tell me that my eyes were completely black at this point. I could hear my friends, but I couldn't see them. I was trapped in M's gaze. He was going off on all kinds of weird shit. Aliens in the universe, that kind of stuff. One of the things he said was everything in the universe could fit into the size of an atom, putting up his finger and pointing. I felt that I was being sucked into his finger, the same kind of suction I felt from the pencil. I got up, went to my tent, and grabbed a big hunting knife and hid it under my blanket. I humorously dropped it for everyone to see, 
I sat further away from Am, but this didn't stop him from inching closer. I mustered up the courage to call him out. I looked him in the face and I said, Don't try it. I know what you're gonna do. Don't you dare try it. Clenching my knife in my hands, my only salvation from this demon. He began chuckling and laughing. Why? Well, probably because I was salivating from the mouth, so my words had an intense lisp, as whatever strain of mushroom I took was probably more poisonous than others. However, his laugh was still sinister. Then the dog Snoopy came and laid on my blanket. I looked down at the dog, then back up at M. With his evil grin and chuckling, he said word for word, Don't worry, the dog is in on it too. This ignited a full-on panic attack. I sprung up, leaving my knife and blanket, and sat next to my friend E, who was completely sober and an angel. I told her that I was tripping out. She didn't need my confirmation though, she could clearly tell. She gave me a rock, telling me as if I were a child to rub the rock to make me feel better to distract me. I rubbed that rock to dust. There was a giant gash in my thumb the next day. This is when things went from bad to worse for me. Ahmed pulled out a laser pointer, bright green and was shining across the fair. I have to admit, it was pretty cool in my tripped out state. This was overshadowed when M announced that he had another laser, pulling out a bright light and shining in my eyes. For some unknown reason, this triggered a memory, real or not, that's to be debated. A memory of me listening to a podcast in which Joe Rogan and someone else were discussing laser technology the CIA had created and where you shine it into the victim's eyes, causing them to die within 12 hours. Like I said, real or not, not sure to this day, I haven't resurfaced the episode, so who knows. However, this did not stop me from absolutely shitting my pants. You have to understand, this wasn't a question. It was more of a prophecy. I was going to die, no doubts in my mind. This was it. Not knowing what to do, I freaked out. The idea of dying was not on my agenda for the weekend. In my state, everything I looked at was sucking me in as mentioned previously. This time, it became more intense. Death was everywhere I looked, sucking me in. M would stroke the fire, causing embers to go into the sky. The little tiny points were his method of killing me in my head. I couldn't escape it. This man was on a mission to kill me. I freaked out screaming to everyone that I was going to die. M has bad vibes, as I elegantly put it, and I need to go to a hospital. No one of course believes me, and why would they? Though to me, it sounded like they knew I was going to die, and they knew that there is nothing that they can do if that makes sense. They all knew that it was over for me, and they didn't know how to tell me. Enter C. C was a hardcore hippie, such a good guy in my experience with him prior to this. He picked me up and told me, let's go for a walk. C began trying to comfort me by saying things such as, just accept it, embrace it, it'll be all over soon, no joke. These were not the things I wanted to hear, he also mentioned I had gypsy tears, not sure what that means, but you could guess it did not sound good in my head. If anyone knows what he's talking about, leave a comment. 
I started to yell at him, getting in his face, yelling at him. He is much bigger than me and could take me down easily, but he was a trooper through my schizophrenic episode. We ended up at a drum circle where I embarrassed him by stating, I see a red dot, they're here to kill me, and the endless questioning of gypsy tears. This being heard by multiple people who were being lunged at by a scrawny white kid halfway on the planet. It prompted C, who had enough of the public humiliation, to take me off to a small field where he sat me down in which we meditated, calming me down to a point of questioning if I was actually really going to die. Not fully convinced, but coming down from my state of existential dread, we made our way back to camp where only A was awake. C left to go do peyote or something. A and I stayed up for the rest of the night, talking and walking around the fair, meeting cool people, and having a genuinely good time. The next day, I woke up, alive, but with the worst psychological hangover, questioning everything and thinking deeply. M made us breakfast, where I'm 90% convinced I ate human meat. The meat was beat down to be thin as paper and tasted like nothing I've ever had. Later that day, I overheard M say to E, who was a gorgeous girl, You have such luscious skin. All that from M definitely had me looking over my shoulder all day. However, I eventually realized the ridiculousness of my paranoia. In all honesty, looking back, he was just a sad old hippie wanting some friends and me, being who I am, an eighth of shrooms down, interpreted him as life-threatening. It would come to my attention that he was harmless by the fact that he took a bunch of acid and got to a point where me and C had to carry him to his truck because he was crying to his mom that he didn't want to go to school. He even gave me a rock with dots all over it, stating it was an apology. I accepted the apology by throwing it off a cliff and good wishes later on our way home. No way I was keeping that. I have not been to Barter Fair since, and I tried shrooms three months later and had a similar experience. I am not writing off psychedelics as bad as my experiences have been. They have completely changed who I am for the better. Almost four years later, I could say that I laugh more writing this story than having anxiety. I still think about it a lot especially those points where the universe was breaking and I was forced to question if any of this was real. P.S. I don't think we live in a simulation. I believe in the broad umbrella of spirituality. So I took 775 milligrams of DPH last night around 9.44 p.m. to be exact. And as I was coming up around 10.30, I knew this was going to be the one. It was all chill and shit, just the normal glitchy distorted visuals and feeling of heaviness until about 11 p.m. I saw the first shadow man just staring at me from the hallway. And that evolved into real-life looking people in my living room, in color, not even a fucking shadow. I genuinely thought they were real, I was talking to them and everything. I then later on found myself laying on my couch and looked at the floor and saw a dead body with a pool of fucking blood oozing from it and gunshot wounds in the head and torso 
blood running out of the sides of its mouth. I fucking lost it after I saw this. It occurred after the fact I heard gunshots outside. However, this was all obviously DPH, but it just felt so fucking real. I saw cop cars in my driveway. I even remember talking to an officer. I said everything is chilled out, man, and he was like, okay, cool, blah, blah, blah. Also DPH-induced psychosis. Then I imagined my living room was at school detention and saw a teacher telling me to open up my laptop to Google Classroom. I saw other kids there with me, just staring at me like I was crazy because I told the teacher, aka the DPH figure, that I wasn't doing this shit and I'm going to sleep and I have work in the morning. So he threatened to write me up. So I actually got on my laptop at like 2am to do schoolwork, fully convinced I was in detention. But I gave up after I couldn't read a damn thing on the screen because of how blurry my vision was. But don't worry, it doesn't end here. Another hallucination I had was my mom's boyfriend came up to me, even though at this time he confirmed he was sound asleep. The next day, the DPH imposter of my mom's boyfriend told me to come here. So I got up and walked over, and it was him, clear as day, and he said, You see that? And pointed at the spider on the wall, and I remember nodding my head. He responded by saying, Well now you don't, and it just disappeared. I had a very evil chill run through me. After that, he was also gone when I looked up from the wall. I decided I needed to go out and get some air because I was losing my sense of reality at this point. Big mistake. I see people in the neighbor's yard too. It's crazy because I had never seen so many fake humans before on DPH until now. It was mainly shadows and spiders the last two times I did it. But anyway, my focus was on this old, dead creepy tree at my neighbor's house. At this point, I saw a little girl in a blood-covered dress and her head was kinda down. And as I was looking directly at her, her head moves up and she stood up and she said, Come dance with me. Straight out of a horror movie type shit. And I immediately turned around and screamed, Fuck that! I ran through my house and panicked which didn't help the crazy extreme visuals that would soon follow, which was like an 8-foot shadow figure with horns peeking at me from the corner. He had some Grinch-like fingers. This was all so vivid because of the trauma it's caused. The only relatively funny thing I saw was this couple in my bathroom getting naked. I was walking by and heard noises coming from the bathroom. I took a peek inside and saw a girl getting undressed, she saw me and was like, What the fuck, you creep? And her boyfriend was looking at me as well. I just kind of walked it off like, What the fuck is happening? Then, I saw a man in a chair in my kitchen as if he was guarding me from escaping or just monitoring the house. It was so crazy how sometimes the DPH humans will disappear or walk off. But he, he stayed put. Every time I would look at the chair, he would be sitting in it, and I was convinced that everything I had seen was real. This is when I became extremely paranoid and felt impending doom. I sprinted upstairs to the best of my ability, 
DPH makes you feel three times heavier, especially on a larger dose like I was. Take note, I'm 6 foot, 168, 170-ish pounds, so I'm probably not even as big as I probably should be for my height. I don't know. But anyway, I sprint upstairs and wake my mom. She asked me, what are you doing? Then I would hear a voice that sounded just like hers in my head say, I'm calling the cops, pack your shit. And I would plead to her, no, please. And my non-hallucinatory mom would say, what are you talking about? Because she had no idea that I was hearing a voice just like hers telling me a bunch of crazy shit. I had little comprehension of what was happening until I told her that there are cops here and other people. Now take note, I've been seeing real life looking people for two hours straight. At this point, I'm 100% convinced that what I've seen so far was absolutely real. Then, my sober mom is like, Eric, what the fuck are you on? I'm like, what do you mean? Tell that guy to get the fuck out. As I point at the kitchen chair man, she replied by saying, Eric, there is no one even in here. Then I'm relieved, but also shocked at the same time how real it felt for all of it to be a hallucination. Oh my God, what a fucking night. And I promise you, everything that I've shared in this experience is the absolute truth. I cannot make that kind of shit up. It was fucking insane. I experienced the effects of LSA on two separate occasions within the same week in 2017 while on holiday from college. I had purchased Hawaiian baby woodrose seeds and ingested four seeds by chewing and holding the seeds under my tongue for several minutes. The vasoconstrictive and nauseating feeling came on first within about a half an hour and intensified until the peak of the experience. Notably, the experience was one of confusion and visual distortion that made light almost too intense to bear. I spent the better part of this experience tending to my nausea and feeling that I would purge. No purging occurred, likely because I did not swallow the seeds. The second experience involved crushing the remaining seeds and soaking in naphthalene for a day. The solvent was evaporated and the dried residue was packed into gel capsules. I took the equivalent of 8th seeds worth of capsules and prepared for the experience. Nausea and vasoconstriction began rapidly and built in intensity until it reached an almost unbearable level. I had not eaten that day, so I repeatedly dry heaved until the sickness passed and my sense of reality faltered. I lay in the bathtub with a small amount of warm water to comfort myself. I had turned the lights off as well. I closed my eyes and felt a presence in the darkness. I saw a dark entity with a wide-brimmed hat that told me it was there to kill me in a matter-of-fact way that was reminiscent of a grim reaper late for his next appointment and wishing to finish me in short order. And kill me it did. I lost all sense of self. And then for a time, my consciousness seemed to be taken off the grid entirely. Someone had hit the off switch on my entire being and the idea of being itself. There was nothingness. This was death. 
I am not sure how long I lay there, but eventually, my faculties came back online, one by one. First came the sense of touch, and then the sensation of movement. I writhed around, unaware of who or what I was. I became increasingly body conscious and was able to just breathe and allow my brain to come back online. I was first aware of being alive, then of being human, then of being capable of language, then of being me. I had returned to sober reality just as suddenly as I had left, but I will never forget this experience. I was shown what it felt like to die and how it felt to be reborn. Most people would consider me close to an expert on psychoactives or would think me to be a crackhead or bad influence on their children. True, I've read a lot about different substances, but this was all knowledge. Experience is what I lacked, so I began picking up and trying mild, not too intense and easy to get a hold of. Psychoactives like DXM, nitrous oxide, Vicodin, and shrooms but I didn't have enough to get more than threshold effects. Well, being on an island in the state of Alaska, there isn't much to do, especially in the winter. So I searched eBay for a large amount of morning glory seeds. I found someone selling 500 seeds for five bucks. I ordered a thousand and had them shipped to my parents' PO box. I then waited impatiently until they finally arrived on the day of my friend Chris's birthday. I was going to trip on them at his party around 7 p.m. 2 p.m. My parents had left and I was way too excited to ingest the seeds as I have a fascination for psychedelics. I proceed to grind up one bag of 500 seeds in the coffee grinder. I'm a very spontaneous person and have sudden outbursts of odd behavior. Earlier in the morning, I'd consumed about 50.7 fluid ounces of water for no particular reason. I hadn't planned on getting the seeds that day anyways. The seeds were grinded up very well, almost into a flour or dust. I had read somewhere that water can cause nausea if taken with morning glory seeds. But I filled the cup full of water and mixed up the grinded morning glories and down the water getting some of the seeds. But I refilled it with water and attempted to eat it with a spoon, kind of like oatmeal in a glass. I had just consumed 500 seeds and had another 500 in my dresser. I don't know why I consumed the seeds then. I didn't think through that I'd have to act sober around my parents and have them drive me 10 miles into town to get to Chris's house. I began to feel different in only 5 to 10 minutes after consuming them. I got major muscle cramps in both my legs, my back, shoulders, and the back of my head where the spinal cord enters the skull. About 20 minutes after consuming the seeds, I was talking to some friends on the phone and complained that it was really hard to move around. It felt like I had mild paralysis. I felt sick to my stomach and I ached like hell all over. About an hour after consuming the seeds, I got minor visuals of the walls having rippling water-like effects. I was also very euphoric and realized my parents were home. 
I was kind of scared to walk out into the living room as my coordination was severely hampered, but I did anyways after a while. I didn't notice much of the nausea anymore, nor the cramps. I walked out into the living room and sat on the couch and said hi to one of my mom's friends. I tried to act normal, but I was in a state of such joy that I couldn't help but smile ear to ear. 4 p.m. I'm so euphoric that I can't understand a word my parents were saying. It came out not all as gibberish, but I'd hear things that didn't sound in place. Like I'd hear my mom say, yeah, he's acting really weird, and the other day he said his lungs had been removed. I couldn't tell if they were really saying this, if they were talking about me, or if I just imagined them talking. My stepdad looked at my blank face, looking kind of distorted. The lottery is open if you... It's there. I realized he was telling me to clean my room and had told me the laundry was open. I grabbed a bag of clothes that were supposed to go to Goodwill and threw them in the dumpster outside. I couldn't keep my mind straight. It was racing with thoughts. Not even for a second could I remember what I was doing or think of something to do. Most of the trip, I just laid around staring at my ceiling. 5.30 p.m. Visuals are everywhere. I can see letters of the alphabet engraved in my ceiling, musical notes and scores of music swimming through my walls as they seem to breathe with life. The feeling was ecstasy as I laid motionless, taking in everything I was seeing. I was on the phone at the time and explaining what I was experiencing to some girl I didn't know. I told them I had dropped acid so it would seem reasonable. I saw books sliding across the floor, then piling up into geometrical structures. Lights seemed to bounce off of everything, colors actually floating around in my room, very slowly. I would see a sphere of energy float by as I watched it in wonder. I realized Slayer had been playing, and I could not recognize any of the music I know by heart. Normally music I would have relished became a bunch of noise that pulsed through my mind. Occasionally, I'd hear the words, death, suffer, murder, which didn't even sound like lyrics. It was almost like the singer was trying to hypnotize me with negativity. I tried desperately to change the music, but I couldn't focus as everything was melted into near objects and I felt as though I was paralyzed. I remembered a CD that had some good techno. I found it, but my simple CD player seemed way too complex to do anything with. It is now 6.40 p.m. and everything is going downhill. I was starting to feel really disconnected from my body. I didn't know what was wrong. Maybe I had gone crazy. Maybe I was dying. I rolled over on my side as I had been on my back for nearly three hours. I started getting really scared and had thoughts that evil was flowing from my CD player as Slayer is satanic. I looked out the window, everything seemed normal, no visuals outside. Then suddenly, I noticed the sky was blood red with sunset. I thought the world was ending. The time had come to be judged, and the wicked would suffer dearly for their sins. I looked at my alarm clock, and the letters were all backwards and rearranged. Sometimes I saw things on my alarm clock that weren't even numbers, 
They were symbols. I tried harder to concentrate, and the alarm clock said 6.66 p.m. I knew this wasn't possible, and I had forgotten all about the seeds. I started panicking and tried to find the cord to the clock, but it was sliding around, melting into objects. I tried to eat my alarm clock in an attempt to destroy the evil that saturated from it. I threw the alarm clock down, took off my shirt, and slid to the back of the room. My alarm clock now looked crazy, and I could see the word fuck in it. I got to my feet and looked in the mirror. I was sweating horribly and looked insane. My hair was messy everywhere from laying down, and my pupils seemed to pulsate in spontaneous rhythms to the outward iris. They were dilated to hell, and my skin was blending into everything. I assumed I was a chameleon and began stumbling around trying to find the bathroom. My parents still noticed nothing. I was sitting on the floor with my back against the outside of the bathroom door. My stepdad asked me if I wanted to go to my get-together, which was at 7 o'clock. It came out all distorted, his eyes were very wide, and he was smiling like a lunatic. He looked just as crazy as I did. I didn't know what he was talking about, and I thought it had to do with my LSA trip. 6.55pm I found myself in the bathroom, seeing a mutated melting version of myself, staring back through the mirror. My skin was crawling, and I saw very odd visuals that I cannot explain, as they did not seem to be three-dimensional. Yet they rotated really fast, moving with a liquid rhythm that was too fast for me to register. I found the other bag of morning glories in my pocket, and realized what I had done. My organs all felt like they were exploding, coming together, melting, evaporating, then forming back in a repeated order especially my bladder from all the water. I tried to make myself puke, but scared myself, because in the mirror, I was swallowing my whole arm and convulsing into unnatural positions. I couldn't think anymore. I just thought death, and I turned off the light and lay on the cool linoleum of the bathroom. I saw many geometrical patterns and more scores of music being generated from underneath my eyelids. My mom knocked on the door to tell me they were going out. I said okay and told her I didn't feel well. I handed her the other bag of seeds and said I was hallucinating. I was looking all around me, seeing things that could only relate to an evil Dr. Seuss wonderland. I said help and continued mumbling a bunch of stuff as I wandered back into my room for something to wear. My stepdad came in and the only things I could comprehend him saying were hospital, drug counseling, and stomach pumped. They told me to put a shirt on. I wrapped my sheets around my head and shoulders. They gave me a sweatshirt. Minutes seemed like eternity, and I held them as my number one priority because I knew time hadn't stopped like this. I remember being in the car, seeing the green alarm clock glowing with such intensity. I was in a trance. My mom told me later that my stepdad waved his hand in front of the clock and I mimicked his movements with my hand. I had two things on my mind, that I had gone insane and my life had ended me up in a padded room and that the world was ending as the Christian revelation foretold. My hands were in the air 
I thought I was a prophet. Jesus returning to spare the righteous. I told my mom, calm down child, it will all be over soon. I sat in a hospital chair as my mom explained the situation. I saw a girl and a woman across the room. My vision faded. I felt if I was in a different place. I had no body and I could tell there was things around me, but I couldn't see them. Kinda like when you astral project and you can't open your eyes, you feel the energy of the objects around you. Next thing I knew, I was on my feet, shaking horribly. I think I jumped to my feet after appearing to pass out because people around me were startled. I moved on impulse and ran to my mom and started chugging her water bottle. I felt if they weren't my own actions and something had taken over. There was a couple times I thought I had died. They gave me shots of something, but I was too distracted by the clock. The minute hand spun backwards, stopped, pretty much just moved randomly really fast. The numbers were all mixed up and kept sliding out of the clock. I remember yelling German, thinking it would do something. A lady handed me activated charcoal, it looked like paint, and I thought her to be a chemist. I drank down two cups, tasted very sweet. They were taking me somewhere, everything was bright, I thought them to be angels. I kept hearing the lady telling me to come with them to God. I ended up in a room, and I glanced at the clock, 9pm. All visuals have stopped, probably because of the charcoal. I fell asleep and woke up to being in lockdown for three days, talking to a psychiatrist. I am now grounded for a bunch of shit that's been happening in that week. That all happened a week or so ago. The doctors told me that if I didn't get medical attention, I would have had a 50-50 chance of dying. I overdosed my first time. Peace. I am writing this report in the hopes it will dissuade others from attempting to use Zoloft for recreational purposes. I have effects from this substance that have lasted almost 30 years. To this day, I cannot sleep on my back and other drugs will give me panic attacks that feel like this drug did when I was under the influence. At the time I took this drug, I was 15 years old. Prior to this experience, I had taken cannabis, methamphetamine, LSD, alcohol, and a massive dose of ephedrine. I had gotten myself into trouble and was in therapy for drug use and other problems and was abstaining from illegal drugs but would still happily take any pill that I'd come across. I didn't list them above because I don't recall all the different pharmaceuticals I took, but I variously came across Flexerol, Vicodin, and Ritalin. My experience with these drugs indicated that with pills, more is better, and therein lay the trap I had unwittingly laid for myself. My girlfriend at the time was prescribed Zoloft, being a prescription drug that treated depression, in my ignorance at the time, I assumed that it made one feel better. Curious about the effects, I asked her for some. She gave me a 100mg pill, with her dose being half that amount. 
Furthermore, she had been taking Zoloft for some time, and so had slowly adjusted to that dose. I knew nothing about SSRIs, and wanting to get high, I decided to take the whole 100 milligram pill. I figured I'd taken and survived the dreaded LSD. This couldn't possibly be any worse. I took the dose an hour before school started, at around 7am. Throughout the day, I felt no effects except for perhaps a little restlessness. It's hard to say, and at the time I wasn't sure if I actually felt anything or if I just convinced myself that I had because I had taken a pill and wanted to feel high. As the day rolled on, I stopped thinking about it and still felt nothing definite. Nine hours in, I arrived home from school, went in my room, and sat down on my bed. Suddenly, the effects hit me hard. I experienced a strong visual and tactile hallucination. As I sat down, it felt as though the room had shifted so that the wall behind me felt like it was the ceiling. The carpet in my room began to appear to flow towards the far wall. I was thrilled to finally get something out of this drug, but mentally, I felt no different. There was no euphoria, anxiety, or any other shift in mood. That was to change for the worse. 11 to 13 hours in. The hallucinations began to increase steadily, as did a growing sense of unease. I completely lost my appetite. The hallucinations were relatively uninteresting. Flowing and breathing walls, constant and annoying vertigo, and seeing static. I skipped dinner, and then I heard my sister and brother-in-law come into the living room. It was awful timing. I loved them both, but at this point, I felt totally unable to be around people for conversation, so I just stayed in my room. As darkness fell, I went into the living room, said hello to everyone as quick as I could, and went outside. We lived in the country and had an outbuilding about 500 feet from the house. I walked down to it, where I went to smoke a cigarette and try to get myself under control. 13 to 16 hours in. I stayed in the outbuilding for an unknown amount of time. I smoked several cigarettes. It was dark and the hallucinations became much more pronounced. The most vivid involved a circle made of glowing human skulls rotating in a clockwise pattern. My vision was also obscured somewhat by static and sometimes blue and red dots that would flit in and out across my field of vision like fireflies. I felt incredibly anxious. I started to experience unsettling head rushes where I would feel like I imagine it feels when one is about to experience a seizure. These were accompanied by a loud whooshing in my ears and a sensation that my eardrums were vibrating. These head rushes were extremely uncomfortable and unsettling. Eventually, I made my way back up to the house. When I got there, everyone had gone to bed. I went to do the same, hoping to sleep this off. 16 to 24 hours in, I laid down to sleep and experienced a night of hell. Up to this night, my habit was to sleep on my back. The hallucinations were out of control. They were not pleasant, having to do with skulls mostly. 
but also, my vision would be overcome with the static, and also colors that would bleed into my field of view. None of it was worth a damn. The experience overall at this point was definitely not worth the hallucinations, and the headspace was horrible. The head rushes would slam my brain over and over again, and eventually, the anxiety became an hours-long panic attack where I was afraid I was going to die. With all the mess going on in my life at the time, I was afraid to tell my parents about it. I just didn't want to cause any new disappointments, especially not with my sister unexpectedly in town. Eventually, as morning came, I was able to get some sleep. When I woke up, my sister and brother-in-law were gone. As it turns out, that was the last time I ever saw her. She died a few years later, and I never got the chance to visit her in Oklahoma again. The Aftermath For weeks after this, I experienced those head rushes. The amount of time I spent trying to sleep on my back gave me PTSD. I have an actual independent diagnosis. For decades, whenever I would try to sleep on my back, or even if I would inadvertently turn on my back in my sleep, I would experience those awful head rushes. Immediately following this experience, I crashed into severe depression. Combined with some other issues in my life at the time, the depression eventually resulted in suicide attempts and several weeks of hospitalization in an inpatient mental institution. Before this experience, I was outgoing and fearless and had never experienced a panic attack. Now I have panic disorder and experience panic attacks to this day. I cannot tolerate SSRIs and even drugs with weak SSRI behavior such as tramadol will induce panic attacks along with the head rushes. The inability to sleep on my back has caused chronic pain in my shoulders and lower back. The static I saw during the experience became permanent in the dark, the static fills my vision and makes it hard to see. As a result, while I can still see the stars, I haven't been able to appreciate a clear night sky in 27 years. Everything said, it's shocking that one pill taken incorrectly could so severely affect one's life, but here I am. Worst of all, I absolutely worshipped my older sister. The last time I saw her alive, I could barely interact with her. The regret I feel is to this day profound and inexpressible. If there was one decision in my life I can go back and change, this would be it. I suffer to this day due to the ignorance of my youth and I hope someone reading this is able to avoid the same fate. I'm 21, have horrible ADD, but no other health concerns. I'm almost always happy and content with my life. I'm emotionally stable, employed, and typically stress-free. To sum it up, I enjoy my life and use drugs to see crazy stuff, preferably in my apartment because the setting is so basic and mundane. I am also in my last year of undergrad and have been using Adderall for 12 years. Last year, I was switched to Vyvanse because it lasts longer and apparently has no potential for abuse, which is complete crap. The largest difference is that you cannot dome Vyvanse. 
I have tried it, and it burns like hell, then does nothing, since it requires a protein in your intestines to activate, or so I was told. Anywho, for the trip, one of my buddies stopped by after class around 6, and we each popped a 70 milligram Vyvanse. I took a swig of orange juice, put the capsule in my mouth, and crushed it open, then swallowed the capsule and the powder. My friend did the same, and in about 20 minutes, we began to feel the effects of the amphetamines. I reached the point where Adderall had no noticeable effect on me, and my friend has only done it twice before. Each time, he took a smaller dose throughout the night, then this initial, so we had a vastly different tolerance. First, I felt a burst of energy in my chest. I would say that it was mainly focused in my liver, but steadily rose up my spine throughout the next hour. My eyes were wide open. My brain was moving so fast that I was counting milliseconds between each tick of the clock. This may sound unpleasant, but it's the same as coke without the numbness, crash and burn, inability to get a woody, or the short 15 minute high. After another five hours, we left a small party at an apartment and headed back to my home. We then proceeded to pop another 70 milligrams each since my friend planned on staying up all of the next day and through his shift tomorrow. After swallowing the pills, we opened up a case of beer and housed it around 5 in the morning. During that time, I did not feel the slightest bit drunk, even after drinking 12 beers. So we lifted some weights, ran a few miles, and completely cleaned my apartment for the next two hours. The feeling that I felt from the second Vyvanse, however, was about 10 times stronger than what I felt from the first 70 milligrams. I could not stop talking. Time passed as if an hour was a second. I had huge blanks in my memory. I pissed every 5 to 10 minutes and was talking about the most random bullshit that I could think of at the time. Afterwards, 6 o'clock rolled around and we thought the effects of the second pill we took earlier in the night faded. So of course, we popped another one, which was one of the worst ideas I have ever had. I was dehydrated from drinking. All the water that I drank throughout the night was instantly coming out the other end, and I had horrible nutter butter for a good three hours and 60 degrees. At this point, I took a shower, picked up an energy drink to sip on, went to class, and parted ways with my friend who went to work. From 6am to 8am, I was completely restless. My entire body was numb from my waist down. Time was at a standstill, and all I wanted to do was go out and work out some more. But no, I have to take a quiz, and right in the middle of it was when I experienced my first ever psychosis moment from amphetamines. It was crazy. As I was about halfway through the quiz, I could no longer think clearly and could not focus my eyes on the text. When I lifted my head and looked around the room, I noticed my vision was completely flanged. All I saw was a circle of darkness around the outer field of my vision that slowly enveloped about half of my outer field of sight and then inversed itself. Now instead of being unable to see out of the corner of my eyes, I could not see what I was looking directly at. Sounds fun, huh? It would have been if I knew that this episode was coming on, but I was completely stunned by it. 
I've done 400 milligrams of Adderall before, a couple of times, and this experience on 210 milligrams of Vyvanse was much more intense. So much that I completely freaked out for the first time ever in my life. It was worse than acid by far. Now that I can't see a thing, I begin to panic and start breathing as like I was running a marathon. My face felt flushed and I was huffing and puffing as hard as I could, but it did not do a thing. Again, my panic continues to just blow out of proportion and I become completely unaware of where I was. I felt utterly confused and was convinced that I shit my pants. Luckily, I just had a wedgie and was sweating my nuts off in class. Now that I think I shit my pants, I suddenly smelt the world's most rancid pile of crap I have ever whiffed, millions worse than a ferret's. Eventually, I calm down and realize that no one is paying attention to me because of the quiz, and I relax enough that I can see again and my sweating subsides. Just when I think it's over, the NOS energy drink I was sipping on my way to class hit me with round two as I began to answer the next quiz question after my freak out. This time, I would have sworn I had a full-blown panic attack. My heart was pounding at easily 200-something. My resting is 53. I suddenly could not understand where sounds were coming from or what was making them. The girl next to me, who was most likely making scratching noises with her pencil, sounded like a goddamn cow mooing. My vision became flanged again, only this time, I couldn't see anything. It was as if I was blinded by alternating darkness and light. Then I suddenly became very faint and felt like I was going to pass out. Since I just went through this, I calmed myself down by thinking it was nothing to be concerned about and tried thinking about anything other than where I was or what was happening. But my mind wandered and I was on the verge of fainting for what felt like an eternity. When my senses came back, I felt confused. Everything felt like a dream and I felt as though I couldn't interact with anything, not even to say, I think I'm dead. My face froze on the clock and after about five minutes or so, I regained control and again, tried to resume my test. This time, when I looked down at the test, it wasn't a freaking quiz anymore. I was looking at my hand and there was no quiz anywhere near me. I was in an empty room with inaudible whispering and cloaked figures that I could not make out. However, there was my hand that was unusually bright and I was fascinated by it for just a moment when I noticed my leg. As I looked down at my jeans, it felt as though my leg wrapped around the entire world. I thought it was millions of pounds and had no end to it. But for some reason, my dark blue jeans were green. At this point, I completely flipped out, stumbled up to the teacher in a zombie-like daze, and mumbled something to her, which led her to collecting the quizzes and sending the class outside for a bathroom break. Four-hour class, 13 people, it wasn't uncommon. I don't remember the conversation I had with her, other than I could not look up from my leg that kept shifting colors and everything she said was just inaudible. I managed to ramble something along the lines of, what the hell is going on? I'm going to the hospital. 
My friend who took the Vivance with me the night before left his work and picked me up, then took me back to my apartment. All the while, I was in another world of emptiness, devoid of everything but my extremely screwed up vision. Once I got home, I managed to make a sandwich. I hadn't eaten in about two days at this point, super slow metabolism, and drank a pitcher of water about the size of a half gallon. It required a lot of work on my friend's part because I don't really know anything about this other than what he told me. Afterwards, I felt great. The crazy world of no boundaries disappeared and I came out of a state that seemed like a dungeon for the unassuming. After this trip, I learned that caffeine and alcohol induce the psychosis. Apparently, it helps to read the labels on medicine that describes how this drug interacts with others. One final note, for nearly 13 years, I've been on stimulants and can soundly state that I have none of the side effects. When I took Adderall, my usual dosage was 80 milligrams in the morning, at lunch, and at night. I don't have suicidal thoughts, I don't have eating or sleeping issues, or any of the other listed side effects listed from this medication. And yes, I've gone for 49 days with no Adderall after heavy use and all I feel is a little less energetic, too little to notice. Then again, I suppose drugs are different for everyone, and I'm just special. <laughs>